0: Daniel Kim. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm commonly known as JS, which are my Korean initials, because there's a lot of Daniel Kims, you know, like um, around. Um, Yeah, I'm serving as an intern pastor at New Philly, uh, the church, and I serve at the Hongdae campus. Um, So I don't get to see you guys uh, most of the time, uh, but it's really my privilege, my honor to be here, to um, share about Jesus with you. Uh, Yeah, I've heard a lot of things from Pastor... You call him Pastor John? Pastor JP? 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 Oh, informal like this, right? Wow. Um, Yeah, I've heard some great things about this group uh, from JP. And um, even, like, tonight, I can just sense... um, It's just, like... It's just genuine. Like, it's just... You guys are just real. um, You know, it's just the the family feel. Like, you just want to know Jesus better. And so... Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to share uh, what I feel like God's placed on my heart, and um, I also wanted to just uh, affirm JP as well. Um, you know, I received, now time to give back. Um, yeah, I've worked with him for about the past year, and uh, yeah, he's a really amazing guy. If you, I'm sure you, you guys, you know, already know that, appreciate that. You know, he's funny, good-looking, and. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I just want to say that, you know, you guys are really lucky to have him as yeah. your campus director. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to know him, but you know, he's been to Africa on missions and like this guy, he really loves Jesus and he loves people. I think that, that's it's something that like not many people can really say, like say they really love people with, you know, the heart of God. So I encourage you to make the most of your time here at Imei uh, Shilim and also under his leadership as well. And just try to receive as much as you can. All right. Um, who, who was at the retreat uh, on the weekend? Okay, so only a, cu- a couple of... You were there, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, so a couple of people uh, were not there. That's okay, because this message doesn't really have anything to do with the retreat. I just wanted to check. Um, okay, uh, let's, let's just start by uh, turning to the Bible. Um, our passage for today comes from... Matthew 26 and there's two chunks that I want to read in particular uh, we're going to start at verse 31 So Matthew chapter 26 verse 31 Okay, um, so I'm just going to read and you can just follow along and really try to um, so I'm focusing on a story here we're not, I'm not sort of going into like teachings per se. I'm focusing on a story here. So try to follow the story. Try to follow what's going on, the emotions of the people involved. Um, Yeah, and just as I read, just try and put yourself in that place. So Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to start at verse 31. Okay. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But then Peter declared, No, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. All right, Let's skip to verse 69 now. So skip ahead to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway, where another girl saw him, and the people said there, this fellow, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. He di- denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Ah, no, no, no. Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I beeping don't know the man. (laughs) Then immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. I'm just going to open us up in prayer. Uh, Father, we just thank you, God, for uh, what you are doing here at SNU uh, through this campus ministry, through Emmaus, and also through the other Christian ministries here. Uh, Father, we thank you for what you did at the retreat, how you are teaching us how to be um, a people who rest in you, who enjoy um, Sabbath, that peace in you, God. And I thank you for the testimonies, not only of what happened in the retreat, but how you are moving in people's lives. And I pray that today, tonight, through this message, um, this will be another way that you speak to us, another way that you um, renew our minds and prepare our hearts um, to live as Christians in this world. It can be difficult sometimes, and I pray that through this you would encourage us, prepare us, um, to really just seek you and commit to you, in good or in bad, and that will help us to stay strong. Uh, So Lord, I just pray, uh, yeah, just that you would speak through me, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, Uh, has anyone had friend issues? Just raise your hand, you don't have to be, this like, go into detail, but have you ever had an issue with your friend? Okay, clearly here Jesus has an issue with Peter, right? Now, who's Peter? Peter was one of, if you look at it just objectively, Peter was one of the first Christians in history, right? Um, He and his brother, I think his name was Andrew, uh, they were among the first people that Jesus called to follow him. And for three years, Peter walked alongside Jesus, hearing his revolutionary teachings about what it meant to be a part of God's people, and seeing miraculous things being done, you know, walking on water, healing people, raising people from the dead, you know, crazy stuff. And through that time, he came to know Jesus as the one who was chosen to save Israel, to restore Israel's kingdom. And he also came to know him as the son of God, as someone who was divine, more than human, And those three years of of ministry, literally walking around Israel, it culminated in the Last Supper. So that's the part of the Bible that we read just now. And that's where Jesus shared his final meal before he died. He shared his final meal with his closest friends and followers. Right? He washed their filthy feet because they wore sandals. He washed their feet even though he was their teacher and, his, and their Lord. And he was just showing them that, no, I came here to serve you guys. I came here to serve the world. He spoke to them about what was going to happen. You know, I'm going to die. I was like, where are you going? I'm going to go to heaven, right? What's going to happen to us? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Like he was getting them ready for life after Jesus, right? When he's gone. And he shared bread and wine with them. And these were to symbolize what was going to happen uh, on the cross. The bread means that his body was going to be pierced, broken. And the blood meant that his blood was going to be shed. But all of that was to forgive the sins of the world, to save us. So it was a really uh, intimate time. If you can think of like a really great time that you've had with your friends where you just connect so deeply You know, you have like that late night conversation until 2 a.m. in the corridor of your dorms, you know? Like, I went to college as well. (laughs) I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You can order like pizza or whatever. Um, Like, it was that kind of time, right? And then, in a bit of a buzzkill, Jesus starts going and making predictions about who he was going to be betrayed by. So, wow, we're so tight, like, this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And then Judas, you're going to, well, he didn't point him out, but he said, well, someone's going to betray me. And we know that it was Judas Iscariot, the treasurer. I'm I'm the treasurer at the church, by the way. (laughs) But, but it's okay. It's all, it's okay. (laughs) And then the second prediction he makes is what we read. He says, well, I'm going to get arrested, and you are all going to abandon me. You're all going to run away. And in one sense, he's saying, well, that's because it's what was prophesied. It's going to happen. And then, of course, Peter, uh, being really close to Jesus, being a really, uh, I guess, an extrovert, we might call him, a really passionate guy, he says, no, even if these guys leave you, I'm not going to leave you. In one sense, he's saying, I'm better than these guys, right? I, I love you more, right? A Very, very bold thing to say in front of everyone, right? But then Jesus goes, oh, you think you love me more? Well, actually, Peter, you're going to disown me three times tonight before the morning comes. And Peter's like, like, you know, how, how would you respond to that? You go, you, you might go, oh, like what? But he's like, nope, you're wrong, Jesus. I will die before I let them take you. I will die with you, Jesus. He makes this bold declaration of his unwavering loyalty to Jesus. No, Jesus, I love you more than you think I love you. So let's fast forward a few hours. That's the part we skipped, the trial, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so it turns out that Jesus is betrayed by Judas. The soldiers, they come to get him. And they take him to the Jewish authorities. And as predicted, the disciples, they all run away. They abandon him, including Peter. But then Peter comes back later and just follows behind at a safe distance. He just wants to see what's going to happen to Jesus. So he goes into the courtyard of the building where he's being held and he waits to see the outcome. Okay, let's just take a moment to try and imagine how Peter is feeling right now. So he tried to fight the soul. He cut off someone's ear. And he did a little bit. But in the end, if you think about it, he ran away. He did what he said he wouldn't do. Okay, so he's, he abandoned his Lord, the person that he loves. So you can imagine that he's ashamed. He's feeling guilty. And then also, he's afraid. What's going to happen to Jesus? Like, Jesus, he talked about dying. I don't know why he was talking about dying, but like, is he going to die? I mean, he, we know that how much the Jews hated him, the authorities hated him. So that must be going through his mind. He's meant to be the chosen one. He's meant to be the Christ but how can he be the Christ if he's dead? So it must be that doubt, that fear that kind of grip him at this moment. So he's just waiting. And he's probably trying to just hide himself so he's not recognized. But then he's recognized. And they say, hey, you're one of the followers of Jesus of Galilee. (laughs) In front of everyone. In front of everyone, he says. And actually... You know, we, we hear about the accent thing later. So he probably has this accent. So it's probably like, uh, if Jerusalem is like London, then Galilee is probably like Scotland. And it's like, I don't know the man. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I practiced that this morning, actually. <laughs> so he kind of just moves to the gateway to be less conspicuous. He's just waiting there. And this, this girl comes up. He goes, no, I'm pretty sure I saw you with Jesus of Nazareth. Right? Nazareth is Jesus' hometown in Galilee. And this time he denies it with an oath. So today oaths don't really mean much, but back then, when they were very like religious and superstitious, if you said something with an oath, then you were bound to it by the gods. If you broke your oath, then you were punished by the gods. Right? So he says with an oath, I swear on my mother's grave. Something, something, that I do not know this man, Jesus. Right? That's pretty serious, right? Considering what, what he said three hours ago. So now people are starting to know, like, what's, what's going on? Why, why is this Scottish man shouting? <laughs> I'm getting suspicious. So after a while, another person comes up and says, dude, you know, you're fooling no one. You're one of them. Like, your accent, man, is clearly Galilean. Like, why would a Galilean person be here in the middle of Jerusalem? Like, obviously, you're with Jesus. And Peter starts pretty much swearing. It's like the modern equivalent of swearing. And he denies it again. Like, beeping, I don't beeping, no Jesus beeping, beep you, beep me. (laughs) Right? And then the rooster crows. So let's just pause it there. Let's fast forward 2,000 years to 2016. Technically, it's probably like 2030 or something, but 2016. Uh, This is just hypothetical. Let's say Ellie. Ellie is a 20-year-old college student. Through her Christian friends reaching out to her, she was able to hear the gospel and just experience a moment of intimacy where she just encountered Jesus in a personal way. Right? We've heard stories, might have been you. And then she sincerely declares with her lips that she will turn away from her life of promiscuity and that she's now trusting Jesus with her life. She said it with her lips. Then a week later, she gets drunk at a friend's birthday party and ends up having sex with a guy. Okay, It's probably something that you know happens a lot. Let's think of another example. Charlie is a. So I, I just came up with these names randomly. It's not any, not meant to be anyone. Charlie is a college freshman. He just got back from an amazing church retreat on the weekend, where he felt the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. He has been a Christian for his all his life, but he experienced like a new level of intimacy with God there, at that retreat. Even at the retreat, a pastor prayed with him. To turn away from his addiction to pornography. Okay, he felt free. Then on his knees, he worshiped Jesus as King of Kings. Then two nights later, Charlie's up late studying, and then he ends up watching porn. So, what happened? Is Ellie really saved? Was Charlie really set free from his porn addiction? Was Peter really a follower of Jesus? So I, like I said, I use just random names for these examples. Um, but you could substitute any name and any kind of sin into that story, including our own, right? And this is pretty much a common experience for every Christian believer in history, in church history. We we say something, we Believe something, but then a little bit later, our actions kind of contradict that. Uh, An a example I had of this myself was, um, or someone coming to me was uh, when I was still in Melbourne, I was serving as a leader at a church, and a young brother who just became a Christian he came to me, looking very like heavy, and he and he said. You know, Daniel Young. Um, you know, the Bible says, "When I accept Jesus, you know, I'm meant to be set free from my sin and born again." But why am I still sinning? Why am I still doing the same things? Now, I don't think he was questioning the power of the gospel. He wasn't questioning Christianity, but he was questioning whether he really had genuine faith. Like, am I for real? Maybe I'm not saved yet. And was he sincere when he said, Jesus, you are my Savior? How would you have responded to him? Uh, a couple of like ways we can answer this question, I think, is you, you've got like extremes where it's like the hard line, the conservative. Say, you know, the Bible says, Jesus says, if you love him, then you will obey his commands. Right? Therefore, those who do not obey his commands aren't really in love with Jesus and are not saved. Right? Logically, it kind of works. Or on the other hand, others might focus more on like the freedom aspect. Love, peace, you know, Jesus. And they'll say that Christianity is not about doing. It's about being being in love with Jesus. So it doesn't matter what we do as long as we say we love Jesus. Okay? And actually, both of these um, positions have an element of truth to them. Um, but regardless, you know, this question is very legitimate. We, I think we've all come across it personally or whether, you know, our friends have asked us this question. So how do we deal with the continued struggles we have after accepting Jesus as our Savior, Lord and Savior, or after a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, or, you know, this kind of high moment, this retreat high, spiritual high moment. And, you know, it's kind of after all the retreat testimonies and stuff this is kind of like a little bit of a Debbie Downer moment. Um, but my hope is that this is more of like a preemptive strike. Yeah? It'll um, give you a balance view and know how to deal with the ups and the downs. Because, you know, Christian life is not perfect. It's not about everything being happy and great all the time. So I really hope this gives you that balanced understanding, and equips you in learning how to deal with it. Okay. So I want to just uh, give you two sort of main points on how do we deal with this aspect of Christian living, where what we say and what we do kind of contradict each other. It doesn't s- seem like we we can do it. So first, like I just said. Uh, we need this holistic understanding of what it means to be saved as a Christian. Okay, A very like a superficial, surface-level understanding is that we say the prayer, Jesus, I repent of my sins and ask for your forgiveness and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Done. You're a Christian. Great. Now you go to heaven. That's a very superficial understanding of what it means to be a Christian. The big picture, though, is more than that. Okay? Because clearly, if you've been a Christian for more than like two days, right, you understand that it's not just about accepting Jesus and then being happy all the time. So this idea of salvation, of being saved, of going to heaven, it's a process. Okay? It's not an event, it's a process. And it's one that God takes us through. It's not one that we do by ourselves or we make happen. God, he leads us through that. From the moment we came into a relationship with Jesus to the day we die, God is leading us through this time. Right, in the end, we die and then uh, it says in the Bible we will be resurrected. We come back to life with this new body. Um, We go through the final judgment, all that stuff, and we receive eternal life. It's this journey. We have a start and a finish. Um, In theological terms, I don't want to get too heavy with the theology and whatnot, but we can use three terms to describe this journey in three stages. First is justification. Second is sanctification. And third is glorification. Justification is when we first come into relationship with Jesus. It's the moment that our relationship with God is restored. Right? The word justify—it's kind of like a legal term. Okay? Because we accept Jesus, we have faith in Jesus, we get forgiveness, and our legal standing, our legal status before God, is switched from sinner to saint. From Uh, Wicked to righteous. And righteous, it just means right relationship. Uh, The last one, glorification, that's the end point, the end goal. That's where we're all heading. It's when we get the new bodies, God makes the entire world new, um, and those who follow Jesus will be rewarded with eternal life. That's glorification. Sanctification, which is also known as holiness, it's what happens in between, in between justification and glorification. It's the journey part of Christianity. Okay? It's about us being set apart, made different to the rest of the world, and given a purpose in life to serve God in a certain way. Okay? And it begins once we accept Jesus, and it's a lifetime journey. And we also become more and more like God. We become more and more like Christ in our character, in our faith, in our spirituality. And, you know, the word Christian, it just actually means little Christ. So if you like soccer, you know, there's like Ronaldo and Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho just means little Ronaldo in Portuguese. So Christ and Christian. So in Portuguese, it would be like Cristinho. Um, We are literally mini-Christ. We are his mini-me's, right? And so I want to just say um, never be discouraged by the fact that you struggle with past habits or character flaws. Never let that put you down, condemn you. Because that's just in one sense, it's just a part of being human. Okay, we need to mature and develop as people. Another part of it is because we're sinners. Right? That's just how humans are uh, are born since the fall, the original sin. And so until Jesus comes back, we're just going to continue to struggle with old sins, past habits, our old self. Right? We just have to keep renewing our mind with God's words to help us to change. Another part of it is because Satan, who is God's enemy, he's really afraid of the people of God moving into their destinies. Okay? And he's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to delay you, stop you. He's going to try to discourage you from continuing to move forward, forward, forward towards your end goal. Right? So it's like this spiritual battle that's happening. But all of it is to take us closer to the image of God. God can take the worst things in our life and use it for His good, We have to believe that though. You have to believe that he's good and we can't rely on just trying harder to get there. We have to trust that he's good and that he has the ability to lead us according to his plans. So that's the first thing. I just tried to give you this um, big picture understanding of the Christian life. This is the journey that we're on. So don't get too caught up about the bumps, the, the dips. It's just part of What it means to be a Christian. And second, and I want to finish with this secondly, how do we deal with this uh, fact that we keep stumbling, we keep messing up, we keep sinning, even after we make these big confessions and we have these big experiences with Jesus? You have to stay in that relationship with Jesus. It's all about being in a relationship with Jesus. All right? So I want to go back to the story with Peter. Um, this time, I want to read it from the Gospel of John. Okay? So we're going to go to John 21, verse 15 to 19. No, so, Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. And I'm just going to summarize what happens in between. Um, Peter denying Jesus and our passage now. So Jesus has been killed. And then three days later he comes back to life. Right? That's like that's meant to be usually the main part of the message, but um, that's the filler tonight. And he's already appeared to his disciples twice. Okay, and this is the third time that we're going to read about. And for some strange reason, even after seeing Jesus alive again, uh, six of the disciples, including Peter, they've gone back to their original job of fishing. Okay, so we see them fishing. And they catch nothing all night. Uh, but then at the break of dawn, a man appears and helps them to catch a boatload of fish. Okay, when they realize that, oh, this guy is actually Jesus, because he did this before one time, Peter, he puts on his cloak because I think he was almost naked fishing and he jumps into the water and runs towards Jesus. They have some fish and bread for breakfast um, but you know there's still that tension, I think. There's still that elephant in the room that hasn't been addressed yet. Peter, you kind of you know, disowned me three times. Remember that? Right? And you have to imagine, in Peter's heart, he must have been thinking about it. It's like, Jesus, I'm so happy to see you. But then, oh yeah, I, uh, I kind of disowned you three times, right? And he must have been there just eating his fish, eating the bread. And then Jesus turns to Peter and starts to speak. All right, so let's read from the passage and see how it finishes. So, verse 15 when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these other disciples? Remember, he kind of made the claim that he did before. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. His feelings were hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, Do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. If we skip to the end of verse 19, he finished by saying, Follow me. So we're talking about how Peter was feeling so happy to be with Jesus, his back, but then full of guilt and shame because I abandoned you and disowned you. I'm sorry, Jesus. Uh, I know that I've felt that way towards other people sometimes. We talked about having uh, friendship issues. You know, when I've messed up with my friends. You, you, you kind of feel a bit sheepish, like, oh, uh, I'm sorry, you know. It's hard to just be free and open with them immediately after. And I felt that way towards Jesus as well, right? It's kind of like there's a separation, like a wall between you and your friend or you and Jesus. Um, and that's sort of what sin is. We feel bad when we sin because it creates a separation between us and Jesus. Right? That's what sin is at its core. It's not just about bad ethics, bad behavior, immorality. It's a separation in our relationship with God. That's what sin is. But the good news is this. Christ came to bridge that gap, to bring us closer to God. He didn't actually make come to make us perfect people. Okay? It's even though we are imperfect now, we can still have a relationship with God through Christ. Okay, So it's not about becoming the perfect Christian. That's not what Christianity is about at all. It's because Christ is the one who is perfect. He gave himself up. And then his his perfection is kind of draped over us. It covers us like a robe, like a coat. And so when... We stand before God. God sees us and he sees, he sees Jesus in us. He sees Jesus covered over us. And so all our sins, past, present and future, are covered by Jesus' act of self-sacrifice. Like that's the gospel. But to continue to live this out, it's all about intimacy and relationship, like not, not our works. When we hurt our friends, how do you continue re- your relationship with them? Is it by continuing to hurt them? I'm going to, I'm going I'm to, I don't know, go out with more guys that you like, or I'm going to stab you in the back again. That's not how you keep your friendship, right? It's not how we keep our friendship by continuing to sin, uh, our relationship with Jesus. Or um, In my case, do you isolate yourself from your friends? So I know with my personality type, I tend to, when I feel bad, I don't approach them, but I actually withdraw. That can be our reaction. Or maybe you try really hard to be the perfect friend to make up for what you did wrong. Okay. But really, you just need to be humble. You just need to apologize for what you did and ask them to forgive you. Right. You know, doing stuff, being nice to them again can help, but it can't repair broken trust. Right. Only forgiveness can do that. And it's exactly the same with Jesus. Okay. In the passage, we read that in order to restore his relationship with Jesus, uh, so Jesus' relationship with Peter, Jesus chose to share a meal with his disciples. So before he had the Last Supper, he chose to have a meal again, right? to have that intimacy and relationship with them again. Let's break bread again. Let's share time again. And then he turned to Peter. And for every time that Peter denied him, he gave Peter a chance to confess his love again, three times, and recommit his life to Jesus. Then only after that was reestablished after that connection was re-established, then Jesus spoke his commands to feed, love my sheep, and then follow me. So the doing came after the relationship, the connection was made. Jesus didn't demand any compensation or punishment for our sins. He just wants us to come to him, to believe that relating to him, having intimacy with him, is the way to God. You know, when we stumble, and fall, and sin, and it's going to happen, right? That's just the reality of who we are. It's the place of faith, not works. Um, that's how we reconnect with Jesus and receive His forgiveness. Through intimacy, we can then hear His call again to follow Him. Follow Me. And when we come to him with humility, when we let him restore us, that's when we can keep walking step by step towards the end goal, to get back up on our feet and to walk alongside Jesus. So I just want to finish uh, with um, the words from Psalm 1 in the Bible. It's verses 1 to 3. Uh, you can read, and I'm just going to paraphrase it here. It says, Blessed is the man who has an intimate relationship with the Word of God. He's like a tree planted in streams of water. In all that he does, he's, he prospers. Okay? Jesus is God's Word in human form. And when we have an intimate relationship with Him, in good or bad, Rain, hail, or shine, when we stumble, when we make a mistake, He's going to come, He's going to pick us up, and He's going to just restore us back into that place of relationship with God. He's going to repair the relationship. And then we can continue uh, to walk forward into the purpose that God has for us, into um, the destiny, the glorification which is the end goal. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to close us in prayer. Yeah, so bear your heads with me. Uh, Father, we just thank you, God, that first of all, uh, you sent your son Jesus uh, to come to this earth to live a life uh, that is perfect and then to die a death um, that covers us, that covers our sins, that gives us eternal life, access to you, God. Uh, We're not perfect. We make mistakes. Even after we say that we love you, God, um, yeah, we can stumble and fall but I thank you, God, that uh, if we just reach out to you again, that you're faithful to pick us up, you're faithful to dust us off, Uh, yeah, and just restore our relationship with you. We're going to keep walking. We're going to keep walking. So, Father, I just pray for faith. I just pray for faith in everyone here to turn to you on a daily basis. To never be ashamed, to come back to you, Jesus, uh, and to believe that, to believe that you desire relationship with us more than perfection, more than our service. You just want to know us. And that if we cry out to you, you're going to answer. You're going to answer our prayers. You are faithful to respond. To our cries for help. Yeah. So we thank you, Jesus. Um, yeah, I pray, God, that you know, we can really find our rest in you, find our rest in Jesus. Uh, and like trees planted in streams of water, whatever the season is, whether there's a drought, whether there's hail, um, we will always be flourishing, flourishing um, and growing into the mighty men and women of God that you have called us to be. And so Father, we thank you and we pray this all in Jesus' name.